I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. I am so delighted to let you know about our new sponsors. Waterful Plastic Free Wipes will be supporting the podcast for the next couple of months and it's been in the pipeline for a little while so I'm delighted to finally be able to announce our new supporters. So Waterful Plastic Free Wipes, which I'm sure many of you are, if not using, would have heard of um, over the past couple of months. They're very new to the market but just to give you a little bit of information on them, they are plastic-free baby wipes which contain 99.9% purified water and are both fragrance and alcohol-free. The wipes are made from natural cellulose plant fibres, making them so much softer and kinder to delicate skin. Waterfall baby wipes are hypoallergenic, having been extensively tested by dermatologists and are approved by the Skin Healthcare Alliance and Allergy UK, accepted by the International Eczema Association and are also certified by Cruelty Free International and the Vegan Society. Waterful baby free wipes are 100% plastic free, 100% biodegradable and also 100% compostable. Breaking down in a matter of weeks, they are the best choice for our planet and your baby's future. Another amazing selling point for the baby wipes is they're so much bigger than other wipes and they're so robust so they don't just slip away in your hand or disintegrate in your hand and you don't have to use five or six of them for a particularly messy job. So available for purchase in Tesco, selected super values and can be bought in bulk on Amazon. Kindful, mindful and waterful. You will have to excuse my voice, it's just a bit dodgy um, after a week of sickness in our house so I'll try my best. So in this episode, I share my chat with Leanne, who talks me through her four births and three early pregnancy losses. So Leanne gave birth to her first little boy. They then decided to try again and add to their family, which followed with three early losses. And she talks me through the details of that, how physical it can be, how shocking it can be. And then the support that they did decide to take on to help them with their fifth pregnancy. Um, so she talks us through all of those details that help bring her little girl into the world. She then talks me through her next pregnancy, her most recent one where she gave birth vaginally to twins, one of which was breech. So 
there's lots in there, including um, she shares details of when her first little girl was diagnosed with meningitis in the maternity hospital at a mere 24 or 48 hours. So a really, really scary time. So thank you, Leanne, for sharing so much of your life with me. I really appreciate it. And I know there is so much in this episode for everyone. Thanks and chat to you soon. So Leanne, you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Toys podcast. Thanks. Will we just... Um, dive straight in so if you want to just tell us a little bit about you and your family and then we'll get stuck into your birth stories. So I'm Leanne I'm 35 my husband's Adam and I have four kids twins that are eight months old a nearly three-year-old and a six-year-old. So your hands full we're just chatting about bedtime there yeah. sounds quite calm though <laughs> in your house. <laughs> it's calm because I'm not dealing with it. Yeah you're <laughs> the right idea. So let's talk about your first pregnancy. What's your first pregnancy planned? Yes. So we got married in June and we decided to try for a baby straight away. And I think it was October when we found out um, I was pregnant. So I think it was one month or two months trying and that was it. It was all very easy. Um, the whole pregnancy was very easy nothing out of the blue at all normal labor that was really nothing outstanding at all and you know I think a lot of us on our first pregnancy we think um we're just going to sail through everything we don't need to do that much preparation did do you think with your first you did that as well or did you attend any classes what what type of preparation Um, did you do we did do a private antenatal course me and my husband together um it was in a lady's house, I can't remember. Um, and all I remember is the video she showed me and the video made me make a lot of decisions really without thinking about anything. Okay. Um, I think the video actually put me off a lot of things. It put me off breastfeeding in particular. <laughs> and it also made me say, oh, I'm going to take every drug that there is possible going. Um because it just terrified me. <laughs> so how did how was your last few weeks of pregnancy? Last few weeks, uh, I felt really uncomfortable the last few weeks. Um, I th- I'd say it was actually, I was probably my heaviest at that pregnancy. And I think that didn't really help. And then I used to like walk in and out of, I was working in uh, Ballsbridge and I used to walk in and out of town and, um, and my back I got bad sciatica so um I ended up giving up work I'd say probably only two or three weeks early um but oh it was awful I I found it really difficult sitting for long or standing for long um but apart from that it wasn't too bad and had you so you decided that you wanted an epidural was it after the video I had decided yeah yeah I was like yeah I'm gonna take that straight away did you go into labor spontaneously or how did that all pan out and so I actually I had had pains on the Sunday night all night but not regular and they weren't very strong so Monday morning came and I was saying to my husband oh I think it might be starting and he was like well when I stay home and I said no no go to work but I had my appointment in the hospital anyway on Monday afternoon um, as soon as he left to go to work, everything just went dead. All the pains went. I was like, oh, okay, that was nothing. So lunchtime came and I had to go into the clinic, got the Lewis in, 
had my appointment and the doctor offered me a sweep. So I said, yeah. And she said to me, um, I will see you tomorrow morning with your baby. When I'm doing my rounds, you'll have had your baby because those waters, I could burst them with my nail. So um, I went, she, she said to me, don't go home and sit down, go for a walk, do something. So uh, my husband came and we went for a walk uh, around Deer Park. And by the time we'd finished walking, uh, I was having strong contractions regularly. So we were like, oh, okay, this is starting. Uh, Foolishly, I think I went and ate a big meal and that did not work out well. I was very sick, but uh, yeah, the labour went then all through the night. I think at about 12 o'clock, I said to my husband, oh, the pain's too bad. We need to go to the hospital. And we went in and she checked me and they said, oh, you're like one centimetre or something. And I was like, how is this even possible? This is the worst pain ever. (laughs) And they said I could go to the ward and get, uh, I think it was a pethidine injection or something. Yeah. Some injection for pain relief. And I could stay there, but Adam would have to go home. So I chose not to do that. What I had just heard that that injection can make you quite nauseous. So I give like, you an, 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 I know it me that gave me an injection to stop me being nauseous but for that reason. Maybe I, I, I just didn't really look into things properly. Yeah. I think I was just whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Um, so I went home and... My husband went to bed and I got bouncing on the bouncy ball and my waters burst. So then we went back in and I think I was at a three or a four then and got my epidural and then he wasn't born until four o'clock the next afternoon. So it was quite a long labour because I suppose I hadn't slept on the Sunday night and then the Monday night was the real labour all night. So I'd been up for two full nights. Um, so, yeah, it felt long. And we don't really give ourselves that time to rest in early labour as well because we're so excited. No, I was so mm. excited, especially with the first. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can't Maybe it will happen really fast for me. Maybe I'm going to be one of those people. No, it no. wasn't me. <laughs> I was the same. I felt like I was awake for a week, but I was awake for two or three nights solid. Because yeah. similar to you, I felt those pains. I was like, it couldn't get much worse than this, but it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how was his birth? How did you feel after he arrived? Did he come up onto your chest? Um, he did, yeah. Um, everything was pretty straightforward. Um, they had to do a episiotomy. And I remember saying to the midwife before, before we started pushing, if you have to do that, please don't tell me, just do it. But she said they had to tell you. Yeah. I don't know if they have to or not. But um, I was like, no, I really didn't. I don't know why I had in my head. I really didn't want that to happen. And I didn't want forceps. I don't know why. Um, but um, it, the pushing felt really long. I'd say it was probably nearly an hour. Um, I suppose it was probably... I felt even longer because I was so tired and mm. um, but then once he was born I felt fine and um, I think he, he was born at around three in the afternoon and 
I had had my shower and we were having visitors in by six. So the epidural had actually nearly worn off by the time it came to pushing. And I kept saying to them, oh, I can feel everything. I can feel everything. But they were saying to me, no, that's a good thing. It's okay. You're still numb enough. And I was like, no, I I can feel it. I, I want more. But they were like, no, you're not getting more. <laughs> it's great, though, that actually probably was beneficial because you could get up and have the shower then. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I would have been able to push either. If, yeah. I suppose it's difficult on your first. Um. So, yeah, it, it was fine. So had you decided previously to not breastfeed because of that? Was it that, that video? I had decided, yeah. The video just completely put me off and it just... It, because of that, it just didn't appeal to me whatsoever. What what was in the what was in the video? I don't know. It was just I don't know what I I can't even remember the video. I just remember thinking afterwards, I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm just going to have a bottle, and that will be that. Um, and yeah, as soon as he was born, they asked me, "Was I going to breastfeed?" And I said no, and. She said, oh, what milk do you want? And I didn't, I hadn't even thought about what milk I wanted. So the first thing I thought of was, oh, I'll have SMA. So all my kids have ended up on SMA just because of that spur of the moment. That was the only name of milk that I knew. So that's what I went with. Um, let's talk about your next pregnancy. So how, when did you decide to try for your baby number two? I think we found out first that I was pregnant in May. 2017 and I think because the first pregnancy was so straightforward we just were like oh great we're pregnant that's that you know we're gonna have another baby this is what age Nathan will be and we'll be able to plan out everything we were looking up names and what happened I was in work one day and I went to the toilet and noticed that I'd started bleeding so I went outside and rang my husband and he was like, ring the hospital. I don't know, rang the hospital. And they were like, oh, you can come in for a scan, you know, the early pregnancy unit and we'll check everything's okay. And when I went in, I think I went in on my own for the first one. Oh, do you know what it was actually? No. We went for the first scan, a private one on our own. And uh, I thought I was eight weeks. And when we went, uh, the place we went was horrific. The man, it was a man, ultrasound tech. And he said to me, oh, you, you must have your dates wrong. And I said, no, I don't. I really don't think my dates are wrong. You know, this was when I had my cycle. And he was like, oh, well, then you're having a miscarriage. And I was like, Sorry but I, I, I'm not bleeding how am I having a miscarriage and he was like you're going to miscarry this baby I'll give you a referral letter to the hospital maybe you should just wait till you start bleeding and then go in and I was like what and luckily my husband was with me but we brought my son as well because we were like oh we're going to see the baby and uh, my husband was like sorry like this is not acceptable. What's happening? Can you please explain to us? We we don't understand. And he was like, oh, the growth isn't where it should be. So you're going to miscarry. And um, we were like, no, we don't think that's right. This actually had happened on my son on the first scan. They told me that I had a tilted uterus. 
So they'd find it quite hard to see. So I was like, oh, it must be the tilted uterus. So anyway, we left, kind mm. of upset, but kind of also going, no, it'll probably just be the same as Nathan. It'll all be okay. And then I'd say that was probably on the weekend. And then on the Monday I went into work and I started bleeding and I rang my husband. Then I rang the hospital and they said to come in. And I went in and then they were like, oh, no. First of all, there was two sacks. And they were like, no, there's there's two heartbeats, you know, it, it might be okay or it might not be okay. You just kind of have to wait these things out. And I saw her typing on the screen, uh, suspected, suspected miscarriage or something along those lines. And I was like, well, is it a miscarriage or is it okay? And she was like, well, for now there's heartbeats, but we don't know what will happen. And I was like, heartbeats, is there two? And she was like, there's two sacks. So um, I think the most horrific thing about it was probably that they won't say, like, nobody tells you what to expect Mm. to happen physically. So we just went on as normal. And I think I was in and out of the hospital three times maybe because I kept having these big, bleeds and every time I went they were like no no it's okay there's still a baby there I was like okay um and I think I was around the 10th week then um I I had actually only been in the hospital for a scan and then I came home and oh my god I'd say it was worse than childbirth it was like horrific um, the cramps were horrific. The bleeding was horrific. It was awful. It was like labor. It was so bad. And nobody had explained. So I found it quite shocking. Um, so, yeah, that was our second pregnancy. Um, and then I think we decided we talked to the doctor in the hospital and they had told us you should wait for one cycle and then you can try again so we started trying again and the second one also ended in a miscarriage and then a third pregnancy and this brought us up to um I think it was December or maybe it was November 2017 and at this point I'd be been on and off pregnant for over half the year and we were they kept saying to me in the hospital oh it's uh it's just bad luck it's bad luck like there's nothing wrong it's just bad luck and then after the third one uh they referred me to the I don't know what they're called to get it investigated and so this would have been around November. She told me my testing would start in May the following year. And I was like, May? But that's so far away. That's uh, I want to be pregnant. I want to have a baby. And the gap is getting bigger and bigger with my son. And we were like, we just had in our minds that we wanted this baby. And so we decided to go to somebody privately and pay for it to be investigated. And... Um, 
So we went and saw him and he was the most amazing doctor I've ever met. He was just so straightforward. Um, he told us, these are the possible 14 causes of miscarriage. This can't be you because you have a kid. This can't be you because you're getting pregnant. This can't be. And then he was left with, say, maybe six possibilities. And he said, this one we can take a medication for, or you can do a test. The medication will cost, say, 60 euro, or you can pay 600 euro for the test. It's up to you. So I ended up getting a few tests done. It turned out that I have a blood clotting okay. disorder. So at least there was some sort of answer. Um, and then the other the other tests I was supposed to go for, I never actually got to that point because I was pregnant already. So what he decided to do was preventative medication. Mm. So I ended up taking a lot of medication as soon as I found out I was pregnant with my daughter then. And um, so I had daily injections and suppositories and lots of other medication. I can't even remember the list. And um, so we felt really comfortable and looked after by him. And he saw us weekly to monitor everything. So it was really nice to have someone seeing us up until the 12 week mark of going to the hospital. Um, and how so, did you yeah. feel then about um, taking all those medications? You, meant, you mentioned, obviously, the cost of going to see someone privately. And then he was talking about the different, yeah. different routes to go down. So was it expensive? It was. Yeah. like I think Just the medication alone, I'd say, is what I'm talking about. Medications yeah. alone are very expensive. Um, you can claim a bit back for yeah. taxes the year after. Um, the consultant's fees weren't actually that bad. Um, and the person I went to see he I did a lot of research about trying to find a doctor and he used to work with the miscarriage clinic in London okay so he had done a lot of research into the area so I really trusted what he was saying and felt comfortable so and when we rang up he uh he asked my husband my my husband actually rang and uh, he explained the whole story of everything. And he said, well, look, you need to come in sooner because she's getting pregnant fast. So the sooner you come in, the sooner we can do some of the tests. So he agreed to see us. I think we saw him before December was out, um, which was great mm. because we were looking at May with the public system, which seemed very far away in November. Um, so, yeah. So he signed you off then at 12 weeks, does he? He kept us till 12 weeks and then he sends your referral letter instead of your GP into the hospital. So uh, then off you go into the hospital as normal at 12 weeks. He had sent a letter to who I was going to see telling them the background. And okay. uh, when I went to see her, I went to the same doctor for all my pregnancies. So when I went to see her in the semi-private clinic, she um, looked at the history and she said, look, you know, I think we'll bring in a few extra times just for your reassurance. So she had extra scans booked in for me and things like that, which was nice. And were you on the medication throughout the entire pregnancy no, or just for the, just for the okay. first 12 weeks? And then okay, that okay. was it. Um, I think 
I had to take no it was all till 12 weeks I'm pretty sure yeah and did you feel anxious then coming off the medication because it had supported you so much to that stage I didn't actually but I would say that I felt really anxious for her whole pregnancy like I'd say like every time I went to the toilet was like a fear it's like oh god is this going to be the day it's going to happen again you know Um, understandable but yeah the whole pregnancy I think was just anxious about it like what will go wrong kind of thing um but yeah do you want to chat us through the final through final few weeks of your pregnancy so the final few weeks of grace's pregnancy was all straightforward um i got signed off work early um i think maybe three or four weeks early um, I was working in town at the time and going on the Lewis in and out and I can't remember why I got signed off early. I wasn't too uncomfortable or anything. I I was signed off work, but I still was doing everything with my son. Um, so he was then in play school uh, for three hours a day. Um, but the whole rest of the time he was with me. So it was still busy enough. Um, and yeah, I felt fine towards then, just really excited to finally meet her. Um, so had you, did you want to go down the same route? So did you want an epidural as well on your pregnant, on your labour and birth with Grace? Yeah, I kind of decided, you know, that time was okay. So I'll stick with yeah. the same. Like my doctor used to always say, you are the most easygoing patient I've ever had because she was like, well, we talk about a birth plan and I would just say, look, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. I'm happy to do whatever we have to do. So we'll just stick with that. And um, I had in my head, I wanted to get the epidural unless things went very fast. Um, but going on my first labor, I was like, I don't think it's going to be that fast. So I, I'll want the epidural. And um, so, yeah, that was kind of the plan in mind. Do you want to talk us through the first signs of labour? So the first signs of labour, it was actually very similar to my son. I went in, I actually, I hadn't really had pains. Um, went into the clinic on Monday and my doctor offered me a sweep again and I said yes. And she again said to me, you're going to have your baby uh I'll see you tomorrow and she was right yet again so uh my son was with my parents and my husband had come in with me and we went home we were going to go in and collect my son but she the doctor had said to me again to keep moving so we decided we'd go for a walk instead so we went for a walk and then we went and picked up my son and by the time we were in my parents house I was keeled over with the pains and my mom was like oh will I come up with you now should I come now and we were like no no we'll go home we'll get Nathan to bed so we brought him home and had dinner with him and brought him up to bed and my mom came over then and I think it was I'm a Celebrity we were watching at the time and I was sitting on the bouncy ball bouncing in between the contractions and my husband was saying can we just wait until we see the end of it I think it was the the final night or something so uh, we went into the hospital I'd say about 12 o'clock again 
and the midwife checked me and she was like no you're barely one centimeter so she said oh do you want to go home or stay and I said no I'll go home and she was like okay but we'll have to monitor her for an hour first so um she said she was going on her lunch or something and she put the monitors on me and the trainee midwife was there with me and my husband and we were just as I the pains just were getting worse and worse and worse and I was like there's no way like the midwife was quite dismissive I want to say she was kind of like oh you should know this you're not in labor and I was like no no I'm pretty sure I am in labor um and when she came back she was like oh we've actually decided you can't go home because it's your second baby it could happen faster and uh, I was like okay well then I want an epidural because the pain was getting far far too much at this point you don't want to miss the boat either yeah yeah she she said okay she checked me and she was like oh yeah you can get an epidural can't actually remember what I was at at that point and so she called the anesthesiologist he came in and at this point I I just knew it was too far gone. <laughs> I knew in my head. Yeah. Um, he took ages to come. He had been down in theatre or something like that. So it had been a while in between when she rang him and him actually coming. And I knew myself that it was gone too far, but I really wanted it at the same time. And so I was like, in serious pain trying to bend over that cushion to get the epidural my husband fainted on top of me what while I was getting the epidural I just looked up at him and he was just falling on top of me he was trying to hold me in place and I was like no no it's too late actually just just stop um and they were like no no we can't stop at this point you know we have to keep going and I was like I can feel the head it's time like you need to stop and um they were just saying to me please stay still please stay still because obviously they were in the middle of doing it and then he fainted so I think two midwives came in and they were like oh get him some water no he didn't actually fall to the ground he just felt his head kind of fell on top of me and then he got himself back together and um, what was your reaction because I, I think I just would have shoved him off automatically without thinking what's going on you're in my way yeah <laughs> um, he uh he said to me afterwards that he had been watching them trying to put the needle in and the guy had placed it in three or four times and he was like, oh, he kept saying in his head, oh, my God, they're actually going to make her paralyzed because okay. I kept going in and out. And he was like, uh, see, I've never really seen it. She said the needle's huge. Um, so that and then the stress of the situation, I think. Um, yeah, he, he still really can't figure it out why it happened because he never in his life fainted before and he hasn't since um but yeah um so as soon as the epidural was in then I started feeling a bit of relief 
and I was also a bit scared of the pushing part this time I want to say because it was so long the first time and the midwife kept saying to me Leanne do you want me to check you now and I kept saying no no I'm I'm okay I'm okay and she'd be like I, I think it's time to check you and I'd be like no no thank you I, I'm okay I'll just lie here for a bit longer and eventually when she checked me she was like oh yes the baby's right there it's time to go um so Grace was born at four in the morning I think um so if we had have gone home I'd say we probably would have only gone home at around two in the morning or three in the morning god knows Mm. um so yeah they placed her straight in my chest she felt really tiny in comparison to my son even though there wasn't that much difference um and we were so relieved we were like finally after yeah all these miscarriages we have our baby um so yeah it was pure relief and happiness and did you have an episiotomy with her as well um I actually don't know I don't think so I don't think so I think I might have had a natural tear slightly okay and I don't think they did that that time I have to say after all the fear of the episiotomy like I had no pain whatsoever from it or anything I don't know why I had it in my head that it would be so horrific because I really didn't feel any of it or anything the first time so I should mention before my second daughter um she had meningitis so I wasn't aware that I carried group B strep okay So her delivery was absolutely fine. And then the second night, no, it was actually, I think it was only, so she was born at four in the morning and it would have been the first night after that. She was really, really unsettled. And I kept saying to the midwives on the ward, I felt something was wrong. It's like, she just won't settle. And I think I went out to them two or three times and like we stripped her, checked her temperature but she was still feeding, but she was just, she had this cry that I can't explain. It just wasn't a normal cry. And I was like, I feel something is wrong with her. And they were saying, you know, she doesn't have a temperature and there's nothing obvious we can see. Um, and so we were, I was like, okay, if that's it then maybe maybe my baby's just really sad I don't know um and eventually she slept in the bed with me for about an hour that night or two hours maybe but the whole rest of the time unless she was feeding she was crying um and and the next day we were supposed to be going home so my husband had arranged to my husband came in first thing in the morning and he had arranged my parents to drop my son in because we wanted to go home as a family mm. and you know yeah. we wanted him to feel part of it and uh, so my parents dropped my son in and they did the ward checks and they were like yeah you're okay to go home and then another doctor came in and she said no no this is my ward today so I'm going to recheck all the babies so we were like oh okay um 
And when I came to Grace, she uh, said to me, how did I feel she was? And I said, I felt like something was wrong last night that she hadn't settled. And at this point, Grace was really sleepy. She had taken her feed and she had just gone straight to sleep and she had slept, slept, slept. And um, I mentioned that is it normal that she's looking at the lights all the time, looking up? And um, the doctor stripped her and she was like, I feel she's breathing a little bit fast and babies shouldn't be rolling their eyes up to the ceiling. So she was like, I'm going to bring her down to um, the NICU for observation for a night. I think you should stay another night. So I said, of course, okay. Really upset. Of course we were because we we were all going home. So... um, they took her down to the NICU and um, then my husband was like, okay, what will we do? Okay, I'll just bring Nathan home. So they hung around for a while and we were just chatting. You know, we just thought, you know, maybe she has a cold or maybe, I don't know what we thought, but we just thought this would all be okay. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Um, and then I'd say after about two hours, my husband was like, okay, I'm going to go down to the NICU and say goodbye to Grace. And then I'll come back for Nathan. And as my husband was going down in the lift, he met the doctor that had taken her down to the NICU. And she was like, oh, I'm coming up to talk to you and your wife. And my husband said he asked her in the lift what's going on. And she told him, but uh, she was like, you know, maybe when we come in to talk to your wife, maybe you should look after your son. So um, they, uh, 
we sat Nathan up on the bed and my husband sat him up watching his phone so he would be busy enough um, knowing what was going on. So they said to us, we did a lumbar puncture straight away. She has meningitis. And we were like, what? Like, this is two hours later. We didn't even know she was having a lumbar puncture. How has this even happened? And we went straight down to the NICU then. And, oh, my God, like, she was covered in wires. She was in an incubator. She had tubes everywhere. We were like, oh, my God, what has happened to our baby? Um. so they knew and then they obviously suspected what kind of meningitis it was and um, they had to do more tests to confirm it but uh, it turns out that I group B strep and I didn't know um, had I have been private I would have been tested for it and that never would have happened because I would have been treated with antibiotics. Um, but because I was semi-private, that test is uncovered in your semi-private care. So she had meningitis. So we spent that, she was born on the 20th of November and she didn't come home till the 15th of December. I don't know so, why it's not routine. In Australia, it's a routine test. Yeah. I don't know why it's not carried out here. I had never even heard of it. I just, I I hadn't even heard of what it was. I, I don't know why we're not told mm. and given the option. Like there's a test you can buy through the post to check it yourself. I think it's 30 euro or something. Like when they came down and told us that she had meningitis, they said we were looking at a 50-50 chance of her surviving. So it was horrific and then of course we had to leave our baby and go home they had said to me did I want to stay another night or two because this would have been I don't know what night we were on now I think I'd only stayed one night so I stayed the maximum I could stay and I just kept going up and down to the NICU and in fairness the hospital were so nice they were like the midwives were coming in to me in the middle of the night and bringing me tea and toast because I'd been down in the NICU for most of the night. Um, then as soon as we went home, we kind of had to try and make life a bit normal for our little boy as well. So we would stay here in the morning and get him ready for play school, drop him to play school, then go straight into the hospital. Then my parents would pick him up. We'd stay in the hospital all day we come home at about five, give him dinner and put him to bed and then go straight back into the hospital till 12 or one in the morning and then come home and sleep for a couple of hours and then get up and do it all again. Um, so yeah, it was hard. It was tough going. And then they had told us like, because that looking up at the lights thing, that was actually her having seizures. That's what babies do when they're having seizures. So she had quite a lot of swelling on her brain. So um, they had to do MRIs, but they can't really tell when they're that small, whether there's going to be long-term effects. So then they told us that there was a 50-50 chance of her having cerebral palsy because of the extent of the swelling of the brain. Um so, yeah, it was horrific time. And how is she now? She's perfect. She's our wildest child ever. But 
we were so lucky she decided to walk at like nine months so I was supposed to go to checkups with her until she was two and at nine months they were like look there's no point you being here she's walking like (laughs) there's nothing wrong with her she's perfect it's like that was her little gift to you to say I'm okay ma'am I think so how was your return home with her then when she when she did come home in December yeah. oh hmm. it was really amazing like it's really awful because it was so hard but we had also slept for like six hours at a time <laughs> both of us having a newborn baby for four weeks we missed out on that newborn stage but in the hospital when they're in the NICU they have all these monitors on them so you're like not worried whatsoever so when we brought her home I was like a crazy person it's like is she breathing is she okay like watching her and my husband said to me like if you're going to keep watching her sleeping we need to get some sort of monitor to put on her because you have Mm. to sleep this isn't going to work out like this and but I'd say after a day or two it just I I kind of relaxed a bit and went okay she's here she's okay we're going to be fine kind of thing did you feel like you had to really get to know her then when you got her home and could really study her and I did but like the time that you spend in the NICU because there's nothing else to distract you like Mm. there's no TV you're not really looking at your phone there's no other children there's no family coming to visit like the grandparents got to meet her once or twice I think that was it I think they were allowed to visit for an hour or two um at the weekend uh so it was really just you and her when you were there where it was me and my husband and her um and all we were talking about was her and all we were doing was holding her so it was probably more um I suppose more specific time spent just with her that we wouldn't have done if she had have come home because life would have gone on as normal yeah yeah um but the strangest thing was because my husband had taken all his leave at that point so we brought her home I think it was a Friday or Saturday Friday or Saturday I'm not sure which he went back to work then on Monday so we were straight into, you know, back to normal. You have to go on the school run and bring this baby with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was busy, but it was lovely. When did you feel ready to conceive again? Um, well. Did you? We, <laughs> the twins were kind of a surprise. We had kind of been talking about, shall we have another? And then we decided that I would stop my pill um, and wait a little while and see what happens. Um, And more so we were thinking we'd start trying in the summer. Um, So I stopped. When did I stop taking it? It must have been, I don't know, when must have been around March or April but basically I fell pregnant the first month okay (laughs) yeah so we weren't exactly trying like we knew it was a possibility but we thought we had actually kind of avoided the dates that we were supposed to (laughs) and 
So it was a surprise. I actually didn't realise I was pregnant until I was eight weeks with the twins. Did you have a missed period? Because I'd only stopped my pill. I didn't know when to expect it. And I actually, I, I even went for a walk with a friend the day before I found out. And I was saying, God, you know, I think I should have got it by now. And she kind of said to me, you know, when I stop my pill, sometimes it takes a while to come back. So it could be just that. And I'm like, yeah, like if I am pregnant, this must be the easiest pregnancy I've ever had because I don't feel pregnant. I feel fine. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Uh, Then I said it to my husband and my husband kept saying to me, I think you're pregnant. Just take a test. And I was like, no, I think I'll wait. I think I'll wait a while. but then when we talked about it and everything with the miscarriages, we realized I really had to take a test and go and see a doctor fast if yeah. I was pregnant. So, um, yeah, I took a test and it said three plus weeks. We were like, oh, God, OK, we are pregnant. Um, so, yeah, it was exciting. Um, then COVID times, I think it was the Friday we found out we were pregnant and we managed to get a private scan for the Monday morning. We rang the doctor that I'd seen with my daughter, but he couldn't give us a scan until I think the following week. So uh, he could see me and he actually sent a prescription for all the medication over to our local pharmacy just for Brilliant. me to pick up straight away. Um, so went and got all the medication and booked in for a private scan because we were like, straight away back to feeling anxious of oh god if we are and I haven't been taking the meds and blah 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 so um went for the private scan on my own and straight away on the screen I could see these two sacks and two little heartbeats and I was like are you joking me (laughs) and in fairness the lady was like oh, I'm a twin. I have a twin sister. It's the most amazing feeling ever. Your your kids are going to have best friends for life. You know, there's nothing like this feeling. It's so special, blah, blah, blah. And I think I said to her, would you like to call my husband and tell him? And she was <laughs> like, uh, no. It's <laughs> like, okay. And um, so afterwards I went outside and walking back to the car, I rang my husband and he was like, so how did it go? Is everything okay? Uh, oh, Leanne, I don't know. I don't know how I could even, I don't know how I could do that. Oh God. Yeah. I, I said, um, yeah, everything's okay. They're both fine. <laughs> and he was like, what? They're both? Like, yeah, there's two. And he was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I saw them. Um, so I think straight away, I actually went into more of a panic than him. My husband's really, really calm. Um, so in the space of the drive home, which is about 15 minutes, my head went into overdrive. I was like, oh my God, four kids. We can't even fit in a car. How am I going to bring Grace to play school and drop Nathan to school? And what am I going to do for this? I can't go to the park anymore. I can't, I'm not a person that likes to stay at home. I love being out. And I was like, how am I going to do this with two babies? This is just, I just don't know how I'm going to manage. And when I walked in the door, my husband was like, so I think we should move to a five bedroom house. 
And I was like, are you joking me? <laughs> We're only just pregnant. And he was like, no, I found, I found a few houses that we could move to. And that, like, no, we'll be fine. We can fit in our house. Um, and then we also then went back to kind of the panic mode. When I was at the first scan, they had seen that I had um, a hematoma, I think yeah. it's called, above uh, the first baby, I think it was. Um, so she had told me, like, some people are fine with this and some people it can cause problems. Um, and, of course, stupidly, I Googled it when I got home and what I read was like it can cause miscarriage that basically if the clot decides to come out it can also make the baby come out and that sent me straight into panic mode again um, and then I actually had some bleeding and early in the pregnancy so as soon as I started bleeding I was like oh no it's happening again we're losing either one or both babies and I'd say for a good I, I kept having slight bleeding or spotting, I suppose, for a few weeks. And um, I think I might have been overdoing everything um, because of the other two kids. I just kept mm. doing everything as normal and lifting and lifting the buggy in the night and lifting my daughter everywhere. Um, and yeah, everything actually turned out okay. But uh, by the time I had gone to see my doctor in the hospital at 12 weeks, the hematoma had resolved itself. So that obviously had been the cause of the bleeding. Um, but yeah. How did you feel then throughout the remainder of your pregnancy? And what was the plan? Did you want to have a vaginal delivery or what, yeah, what was the plan? Um, so straight away when I went in to my doctor, my biggest worry was the group B strep. Like, yeah. if my daughter got this, will these babies get this? And how do we stop it? And I just wanted a plan. It's really unstable, isn't it? Like one day you could have it and the next yeah. you could... but uh, my doctor had been there with my other two kids. She had now moved to private. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like when this all happened with my daughter, she used to come and have a chat with me in the cafe when I was in Hollis Street on my own. And I just felt like I trusted her and I wanted to see her. So we decided to go private because of that. Um, So when we rang up actually to try and book in with her, she was booked out, but she agreed to see me. when. We spoke to the secretary and left a message. She said, oh, I'll, I'll fit you in. So we saw her and straight away when I went in, the first appointment, like we discussed a plan and what the possibilities were. And she just said, like, you just have to keep an open mind. Um, and right up till the final weeks, it was all up in the air. So um, twin one has to be head down to have a vaginal delivery with twins and she turned head down and then turned back and then we had a few issues with growth um I think I was around 32 weeks and um 
you when you're with twins you have to go to the twin clinic as well for measurements every couple of weeks so I think around 32 weeks I went to the twin clinic and they weren't happy with her growth they were worried that she'd stopped growing um so they said they were going to monitor me weekly and I think at 33 weeks when I went back in they were like there's been very minimal growth so we're going to start talking about a section so while I was there the twin clinic rang my doctor and they had her on speaker and they were like this is kind of the plan you know if there's no growth by next week or not enough then we'll have to do a section at 33 or 34 weeks and and my doctor was saying you know should we start should we do the um steroid injections you know for their lungs and the twin guy was like no let's hold off um so then the following week when I went in thank god she had grown sufficiently and they said we can keep going um and the whole way along I had kind of said to my doctor I would like to try for a vaginal delivery if I can I was always open to whatever has to happen has to Mm. happen but if I can because my biggest worry was coming home to my then two-year-old yeah and having a c-section and also not being able to drive and my husband had only he had started a new job quite recently so he was wary that he couldn't take that much time off and I was like I'm going to be in a house with no car and two babies and a toddler and I will recover better if I can have a normal delivery so that was what I was aiming for Um, and up until the week before my doctor had kind of been saying to me you know it might be safer to have a c-section because of the group b strep Um, supposedly the risk is kind of taken out of it if you have a section because the waters are burst and then the babies are taken out straight away. So the risk of infection is from when the waters burst until delivery. Um, So that was her thinking. And then in my final appointment, when I came in, she was like, look, I've actually gone down to the NICU and I've talked to the doctor that brought your daughter, Grace, down to the NICU and we've made a plan for you together we're going to try for a normal delivery if this is what you want to do. So she said, um, I would come in on the Tuesday uh, to be induced. So the plan was um, it had to be quite controlled because I had to get the antibiotics. I needed four hours at least in labor because they wanted the antibiotics. I needed two doses. Okay. So uh, they wanted it to be slow enough. So she said she would bring me in and see could she break my waters straight away and give me the first dose of antibiotics and then let me slowly labor and get the second dose in. Um, also, I had to have an epidural straight away with twins. 
in case there's an emergency, you get an epidural straight away. So um, that was the plan. She said, if they couldn't break my waters, then we might have to reschedule it for the following week. So it was kind of, it was quite up in the air still. Mm. So we were, we were packed and ready to go and saying goodbye to the kids. And with COVID, my husband couldn't come in. So he was out in the car. I went on in by myself and we were going kind of, is this going to work? I was 37 weeks and five days. And my first, my boy was born at 40 weeks and 10 days. And uh, my daughter was born exactly on her due date. So I, I wasn't a person that had babies early and I was still very, very able walking and dropping the kids to school and doing everything as normal. So So that was going to be kind of my next question, because if you they were planning on giving you like a long labor to make sure everything went the way they needed to, but they were giving you an epidural. Was it a walking epidural? Could you move around or would you have been? No. Okay. No. No. It was the numbest ever (laughs) it was a very strong epidural and I actually ended up with two epidurals they gave me a second one so the plan was twin b which is the higher up one was feet first so that's fine they can deliver him breach um they just don't want him to turn sideways so while pushing my daughter twin a out first they had a midwife either side of my stomach holding my son in place to make sure he didn't turn sideways he turned sideways I'd have to then have a c-section for him um after delivering the first baby so um and okay sorry I I I jumped I jumped on you there we'll take us back to to sorry my this is talking to me we'll take it back to um you were saying you were really active. That was just in my mind. Did you have to stay in bed for like 24 hours or something? No, no. Um, so, yeah, I went in. Uh, they monitored the babies for 40 minutes. They were happy with them. They rang my doctor. My doctor came over and she burst my waters straight away. And then she said, yeah, we're going up to delivery. So, uh, oh, she said, I'd get my first step dose of antibiotics on that ward and then I'd move up to delivery so got the dose of antibiotics and also my COVID test and then they had a room ready for me in delivery and my husband was able to come in then and so I really wasn't on my own now he came in and then straight away had to leave because I had to get the epidural straight away and we had decided given what had happened the last time it'd be better if he waited outside so he went outside while I got the epidural and literally we like I just lay there for the whole day so I'd say um, my waters were probably burst at maybe half nine or ten in the morning and I just lay there for the whole day chatting and on my phone and that was it like I felt nothing I just kept saying to them, are you sure I'm having contractions? And they were saying, yeah, yeah, they're getting closer together. Are you sure you're not feeling anything? And I said, no, I'm not feeling anything. 
And then at the very end, towards the end, um, I was saying, I'm starting to feel a lot of pressure. And um, the midwife came in and checked me. And it was, no, she wasn't a trainee. She was, so with twins, I think there was three midwives. Um, and the manager of the floor came in as well. And like they explained that there was going to be a few doctors and a few midwives and a team from the NICU as well in for the babies. So the room was going to be quite busy. Um, but we were okay with that. Um, so the midwife came in to check me and she was like, yeah, it's strange. I feel like you might be fully dilated, but there's something strange. I don't know if it's the lip of your cervix or something. So she's like, I'm just going to get my manager. And then the manager came in and she checked me and she was like, no, that's actually your baby's ear. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> and she was like, "You've just been poking that baby in the ear for the past <laughs> five minutes." So uh, everyone had a great. It's so cute, yeah. <laughs> um, so the manager midwife uh, said, "Okay, we're just going to do a practice push and see what happens, and see, you know, um, is a time or will we give you another while." So she was like, okay, you know, just give one push. And she was like, okay, stop, stop, stop. We have to call your doctor. She's like, stop pushing, don't breathe, just stay still. So they were like, they went off and rang Leisha and she came on up. And um, they were like, okay, it's go time. And I think suddenly at that moment, I was like, oh, this is actually happening. This is a bit scary. Um, and there's quite a few people in the room because twins and so yeah then it was time to start pushing and I'd say I probably pushed about three or four times and Sophia came out and she was the most teeny tiny little baby I've ever seen she was so cute Um, and they put her straight up on my chest and I got to have a cuddle with her and then they said they would take her away and make sure everything was okay and that we would start pushing for baby number two. So with baby number two, he was breached. Um, they had a midwife either side of me while I was pushing Sophie out, holding Alex in place so that he couldn't turn uh, sideways. And then as soon as Sophia was out, my doctor burst Alex's waters because they were each in their own sack. And she said she may have to pull him by the foot a little bit down further because he was quite high up. So this is why I had to have a second epidural because okay, makes they sense. knew this yeah. was a possibility. Um, but I literally did not feel a thing. It was honestly the best labor you could have ever imagined. It was amazing. Uh, so did she have to pull his little foot down? Uh, she did pull his little foot down a little bit further to pull him down. And then she said, give a few pushes. And I think he was out in about three or four pushes as well. Oh, my God. Oh, so he he was born breech. He was born breech, yeah. So wow, he, he was that's so cool. Up on my chest. And then they took him off to measure him and weigh him and everything. And then they had told me, 
they, my doctor had prepared me that if they weren't a certain weight, that they would go to the NICU and just to be prepared. Like they may have to spend some time to put on some weight. They might not be able to feed properly. And um, it was more so Sophia that they were worried about um, her weight. And when she was born, she didn't make the cutoff. I, I'm not sure what the cutoff was. I think it was five pounds, six ounces or something there have to be. Um, And she was four pounds, 14 ounces. So she was going to the NICU and they told us uh, they both needed to get another dose of antibiotics just as a precaution. They were going to do antibiotics for the babies for 24 hours. So um, they said they'd bring Alex down and do his antibiotics and let us have some time with Sophia before bringing her down because she'd be spending the night there. So at least the night at that point we thought maybe that she'd be staying you know she could be staying for a couple of weeks or something Mm. until she put on weight so this was kind of what we prepared for so um they left us with Sophie and took Alex off gave him his antibiotics and then um brought him back and then we had to say goodbye to Sophie and she was brought down um what we how did you feel how did you feel physically and like so physically straight after the labor I uh I felt like amazing for I don't know how long a really short time and then this nausea hit me and I've never felt like it in my life I was so nauseous I actually couldn't I was like I can't even help this baby I'm gonna be sick like and uh, they gave me an injection, uh, an anti-nausea injection. They told me that they thought it was from, you know, the injection that they give you to help the placentas come out. Um, they think that that was what caused it. Um, but I was so, so ill. Um, I actually, like, after... Before this happened, we had like we were great. I we had FaceTimed with my son and daughter and my parents, and we were like the babies and blah blah. blah. And then uh, this wave of nausea hit me like uh, a ton of bricks, and I was so so sick. Um, they brought us down to the ward, and we had been told like when I was going down to the ward, my husband would have to leave. But I was so sick that they were like, you know, we're just going to let him come for a little while. And when he came down, he spoke to the midwife on the ward and she came down and she was like, oh, look, you're so ill. There's no way like you need to get some sleep. She was like, I'm going to order some other medication for you. And she came back and she gave me some tablets. I don't even know what they were. Um, I took them. And she said to me, I'm going to take Alex for a couple of hours and I'll wake you up when he needs to be fed. Um, And uh, I said goodbye to Adam and he went off. And I was so sick that all I could do was close my eyes. And I think I slept for about three hours. And when I woke up, I felt absolutely fine again. It was so bizarre. So how did you feel then when you were coming home to a family family six? <laughs> oh, we were so excited. We were uh, so Sophia only spent one night in the NICU, and then 
I went up the next, I, I was up and down, but I was there the next afternoon. It must have been when my husband got to come in and visit. And um, it was complicated with twins and COVID because you're not allowed to bring a baby that's not staying in the NICU into the NICU. So every time I wanted to see Sophia, I had to wheel Alex up and ask the midwives to look after him. So I felt really torn by the whole thing because I was like, oh, is it okay to leave him here? And they'd be kind of like, yeah, just leave him over there. And I'd be like, but are you going to look after him? To like, can I just bring him? And they were like, no, you're not allowed to bring him. So um, that was quite tricky. I think, I don't know if you'd be allowed to bring another baby in even in non-COVID times because I yeah. suppose... I don't know. Um, so uh, when my husband came in then for his hours visiting, I went down to Sophia then and they were like, yeah, she, she seems to be doing great. Her blood sugars haven't dropped. Uh, they're coming back up again. So if she can just take a bottle, um, then she'll be able to go back up to you by this evening. And before my husband went home, the uh, doctors arrived with Sophia coming back to us so mm-hmm. the first night was just Alex and then the second night it was me and Alex and Sophia on our own and that was tricky and very stressful <laughs> I was like how do I feed two newborns this is crazy and the hospital was so busy and um, they literally had no one to help so I was on my own <laughs> Um, and I went home then the next day because I felt like um, I would have more help at home so I decided to go home Um, and so we arranged for my parents to take the kids out the older two and let us go home first and settle in and then they came back that afternoon and uh, my poor daughter who's two she walked in and saw us each holding a baby and then she turned and ran away and started hysterically crying (laughs) and I gave my dad um whichever baby I was holding at the time and ran after her and she was like I missed you so much and I don't want these babies bring them back (laughs) oh it was so so shocking for them isn't it but they yeah so shocking their whole world and she was only a baby herself yeah. she was me too like she still would be our baby except for we have two other babies <laughs> Leanne thank you so much for sharing your story there's so much in that you've gone through in the past couple of years and I know there'll be lots of people listening who can relate to different parts of your life so thank you yeah for sharing I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, I would really appreciate if you could take a moment to rate, review and subscribe wherever you don't listen. Download and listen to yours. So that's all for this week. If you wanted to share your story, you're more than welcome to. Just send me an email over at irelandsbirthstories.ie. Click into the share your story tab and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Have a good week and I might have a bonus episode for you on Wednesday with a women's health physio. So yeah, keep your ears and eyes peeled. Have a good week. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.